wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to BQ&A. This is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Ricardo, minister to the Prospect International and Elizabeth Seventh-day Adventist Churches, right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And I'm thankful that God allows us to share His Word with you today. Wherever you're listening from, I pray that you'll be blessed by today's show. The overall theme for this week is, how reasonable is it to have a biblical worldview? Yesterday, Pastor Marty and I talked about how God inspired the prophets to write the Bible. Today, the big question to be answered is, can the Bible be trusted What does archaeology say? And today I have Pastor David joining me here at the Faith FM studio. For those of you who don't know him, David is the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Adelaide. Welcome, David. How are you today? Good afternoon, uh, Ricardo, and and hello, listeners. It's wonderful to uh, be back and um, sharing the Word of God and and studying together and talking together. And I hope our listeners have had a, a really good start to the week. Excellent, excellent. I think that this is the first time I have the privilege of um, conducting the show with you. It is. Um, and uh, yeah, Pastor Gary, I would normally sit opposite and uh, Gary's uh, traveling this year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure when he comes back next year, he will have uh, many stories to tell. And maybe we can get him back on this show some point in this year, just as a brief visit. That would be great. That would be great. Hey, dear listeners, um, today I have an article to share with you. This is from the Associated Press, January 26, 2024. Uh, the title of the article says, Russia fires top genetic scientist who claimed people could live to 900 before sins caused biblical flood. So that was his claim, and he, was, he got fired for that. The article says, Russia's science and higher education ministry has dismissed the head of a prestigious genetics institute who sparked controversy by contending that humans once lived for centuries and that the shorter lives uh, of modern humans are due to their ancestors' sins. State news agency Ria Novosti said on Thursday, Although the report did not give a reason for the firing of Alexander Kudryatsev, the influential Russian Orthodox Church called it religious discrimination. Kudryatsev who headed the Russian Academy of Sciences, Vavilov Institute of Gen- uh, General Genetics, made a presentation at the conference in 2023 in which he said people had lived for some 900 years prior to the era of the biblical flood and that original ancestral or, and personal sins caused genetic diseases that shortened lifespans. He also claimed that parents up to the seventh generation, are responsible for the sins of their children, according to the Russian news website Medusa. The head of the Russian Church's Commission on Family Issues, Fyodor Lukyanov, said Kudryatsev's dismissal for religious beliefs and statements in accordance with these beliefs violates the uh, ethics of scientific community, Ria uh, Novosti said. 
We have already gone through Soviet times when genetics was long considered a pseudoscience, Lukianov said. The Soviet Union under Joseph Stalin suppressed conventional genetics that were in favor of the theories of uh, Trofim Lysenko, who contended that acquired characteristics could be inherited by offspring. Interesting article. I think so. Um, it seems to me that the only person here in this article that read his Bible and believed in it was Mr. Alexander Kudryatsev, the one who got fired. Which is really interesting, isn't it? And, um, yeah, the, the lifespans of some of those biblical patriarchs that the people mm. mention in the Bible, I mean, they're significant, aren't they? Yes. In fact, I have a list of them here in front of me. In Genesis 5, we have the genealogy there, and it tells us that Adam lived 930 years and died. Seth, 912, and died. Enosh, 905, and died. Canaan, 910, and, uh, and died. Mahalel, 895, almost made it to 900, and died as well. Jared, 962, and died. Methuselah, 969, he lived the most, and also died. But then, uh, oh, you get, uh, you get to Enoch, and it says in total 365, and it doesn't say that he died, but God took him it says away. the Lord took him, yes. yes. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have made it to maybe 900. Mm. He walked with the Lord for 365 years. I wonder if, if Enoch was able to walk with the Lord 365 years, can we walk with him 365 days this year? So according to the Bible, and, and uh, you know, we believe the Bible to be God's holy word, and true, it's accurate, mm. we, we can rely upon it. And so when you read these genealogies mm-hmm. of people that live to 900 plus years, mm. uh, it's unfathomable uh, in our thinking. And yet here is this scientist that, that comes out and mm. talks about um, humans living to up to 900 years mm. pre what he calls the biblical flood. Yes. A- and And... There are people that scoff at the book of Genesis today, mm-hmm. and yet we know that Jesus referred to uh, the book of Genesis. Yeah, especially the first two chapters, which yes. people say that the first 11 chapters are just um, yeah. symbolic. Yeah, or poetic and symbolic, mm-hmm. etc. So Jesus referred to the first two chapters. He referred to the flood of Noah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he talks about in the days of Noah. Uh, and it's interesting that... Uh, Genesis is a key book of Scripture. It's foundational, mm. isn't it? Mm. And what do you think were some of the factors, Ricardo, that led to such longevity? I mean, to give you an example, mm. my grandma, she passed away um, 10 years ago last mm. November, and she was just shy of 101. Mm-hmm. And we were there at her 100th uh, birthday, and she was completely out of it, you know, um, uh, she had uh, dementia, and she was dressed, she was done up, and she was uh, in this reclining sort of chair, but she wouldn't have known what day of the week it was, sadly. Mm-hmm. But she made it to just shy of 101, got the letter from the Queen and yes. the Prime Minister and the Governor-General and, and the, the Premier, mm. etc., of the state. But um, can you fathom 900 years? Uh, I, I don't know. If... 
living for for that long in, in a world as it is, um, I think it would be a nightmare. Or some people might say it would be <laughs> hell, correct? What, what, what were some of the factors, do you think? I mean, yeah. is the Bible just a tall story? Is this just a fable, these longevities? Or what are the factors, mm. do you think, that help lead to uh-huh. these ages? So I, I believe the most important factor here is diet. Um, Adam and Eve just came from the hands of God. They, they were perfect. But after they sinned, according to the Bible, they started to die. Everything wasn't perfect anymore. Uh, but they were, I mean, they were, they were designed to live forever. And now death is introduced and, sh- uh, you know, slowly but surely people started to die. But the interesting thing is this, um, the diet up until the flood was vegetarian. Uh, that was a you know principle given by God. But after the flood, given the fact that everything had been destroyed, God allowed people to eat clean meats, not just any meat, but clean meats. That's when, and now when you look at the genealogies after the flood, the difference is uh, unbelievable. And this is really significant. You know, um, I was in your your country of origin, uh, Peru, back in 2017, right. uh, Ricardo, and mm-hmm. um, I was visiting a university site that had a bakery on site, mm-hmm. and they were the, I think, the second largest um, private bakery in Lima. Mm-hmm. And this bakery that that made fresh bread and cinnamon scrolls and other mm-hmm. sorts of things, they were, they were packaged in similar packaging to what our listeners would find in a supermarket in Australia, yes, yes. The, the plastic wrapper. But interestingly on that was a Seventh-day Adventist church logo, and it also had the the Bible text found in Genesis um, Genesis 1 verse 29, which says, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, Uh which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall Mm. be for food. And and so the original diet that God gave Mm. in a perfect world Mm. where humanity is, every person is a a model, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, physically, spiritually, mentally, uh, you name it. They're at their prime. Mm Mm-hmm. And what is the fuel to, to, to keep their, their, their mind, their physicality going? It is, um, as Genesis 1.29 says, it's every herb that yields seed, mm-hmm. every tree whose fruit yields seed shall be to your food. Later on, we find that something else was added. The veggies. The vegetables. <laughs> uh, all of them except for which one? Which one don't you like? <laughs> uh, probably kale. Kale. Actually, I like kale. For me, it would be um, Brussels sprouts. Okay. Right? That's another um, one. And for me, on that, that tree of knowledge of good and evil was probably mangoes. I don't like mangoes. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, I've probably lost half the listeners who love mangoes. <laughs> but but yeah. so the original diet mm-hmm. is is fruit and, and herbs and, yes. and, and, yep. and then we have and grains and then you have vegetables. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, um, after the flood, what did God permit? Clean meat. Clean meat. Uh, which is interesting because when you get to Leviticus chapter 11, mm-hmm. it, it delineates and details what animals were considered clean mm-hmm. by God to eat and which mm-hmm. animals were not considered uh, fit for human consumption. Yes, and people knew who, which ones they were even before the flood. Exactly. And, and 
There is some evidence that would suggest that would be the case with the numbers of animals mm -hmm. of each kind that went on the ark. Did you want to yes. talk further about that? Oh, basically, God, the, the instructions that God gave to Noah was that um, two of each of the um, unclean animals, two pairs, would come in, and then uh, seven pairs, I think it was, the clean ones. So uh, Noah knew exactly what clean and unclean animal an unclean animal meant exactly because that was from God, and and so there were more of the clean animals of each kind than the unclean. Mm -hmm. Now, why would that be? Well, I guess the sacrifices tended to be clean animals. Yes, uh, but also, as you've said, after the flood, gave, God gave them uh, permission to eat clean meat, mm -hmm. and there was probably some reasons for that too, wasn't there? I think it was because everything was destroyed. There were no crops anymore, and it would have been difficult for them to wait too long. Wait until, a season to, yes, to get a harvest. There was nothing to eat. And, and so the flood came about because God saw that there was wickedness on the earth and everyone did was evil except for Noah. Mm. And uh, Noah preached. He pled with people to join him on the ark. It was for anyone. But the, the flood came about as a consequence of humanity's sin. That's right. And also as a consequence of humanity's sin, when we sin, we depart from God's plan. Mm -hmm. we, we deviate. And when we deviate from that, we're not following the maker's guidebook. Mm -hmm. And when you don't follow the maker's um, optimum guidebook for living, there's a consequence. For sure. And that's why you see the, the genealogies after the flood, when they started eating clean meats, uh, the lifespan decreases dramatically. No one ever after the flood reached, uh, you know, nine hundred years. In fact, they were they were they went down to six hundred, five hundred, two hundred, and then never again. Exactly. You know. And and while the Bible doesn't say someone has to be a vegetarian only eat herbs and and fruits, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, clearly there's the optimum. Yes, uh, and and I mean even today there is so much research out there in the media, mainstream mm -hmm. media, that mm -hmm. suggests red meat should be reduced. Exactly, because even if it's what the Bible would call clean red meat, because of the consequences of carcinogenics and 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 the potential of cancer. Mm -hmm. So, I would agree with this. Uh, sadly, this this uh, scientist got fired. Yes, another thing that Mr. Alexander claimed is that uh, it says here. Uh, that the, the fathers are responsible for the consequences or the you know, injuries or uh, you name it, that the, the children suffer up until the seventh generation. Well, that's in his words. But the Bible says some, something very similar. When God um, told us the second commandment in Exodus 20, verses 4 to 6, he said something like this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And then he says this, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations uh, of those who hate me. Hmm. They suffer the consequences. They may not be guilty of my sins, but they will suffer the consequences of my bad choices. And, and, Often that's just a consequence of um, you know children follow what parents have done the role modeling examples yes yeah, exactly. examples exactly. exactly so uh, the Bible has so much information and a lot of that information is there to change our lives dear listeners. 
for the better. Many of the people, I can tell you this, um, whom I've studied the Bible with, they have told me I had no clue that the Bible said that. So um, if you would like to know more about the Bible, beginning this Friday, the 2nd of February at 6 p.m., I'll be presenting 24 Bible studies called Secrets of Prophecy. It will be one different Bible study every Friday at 6 p.m. The venue will be Prospect International Seventh-day Adventist Church Hall. This is on 7 Ballville Street, Prospect. There's parking available. Remember, every Friday at 6 p.m., there will be giveaways too. So come and join us, dear listeners. We'd be delighted to see you there. Listen to it. 
was Makina Hickson with Peace in Christ. Dear listeners, it's time to announce the giveaway for the week. The giveaway is the book How to Study Your Bible by Peter Gregory. And let me um, repeat, your Bible, because the Bible is meant to be yours. You make it yours, you study it as a part of your life. So how to study, not the Bible, but your Bible by Peter Gregory. Um, let me talk to you about the book, How to Study Your Bible. It's one thing to believe the Bible and accept that it is a message from God. That's all fine and good. But it's quite another thing to know how to read it, how to study it, how to discover the divine message that God has for you in the pages of the Bible. Because what good is it to have a Bible in your bookshelf if you don't read it? If God is not allowed to speak to you through the pages of the Bible? Not much, right? So, um, unfortunately, that is the experience so many Christians are facing every time they open the Word of God today. Now, a premier sought-after Bible teacher and evangelist, Peter Gregory, provides in this book, um, provides you with the tools you need to understand God's Word. He offers step-by-step insights that will deeply enrich any Bible study experience and revive the Christian walk. Uh, for example, how does one prepare his or her heart and mind for a Bible study? When is the best time to sit down with your Bible? What are the best methods and tools for getting the most out of your Bible study? Uh, this book, How to Study Your Bible, tackles these challenges and many more, enabling and encouraging biblical students to dig more deeply into God's Word than you ever thought possible. So, don't wait any longer. Text us the code SA200 to the number 04888-808-11. I'll repeat the code. The code is SA200. No spaces between the digits. It's SA for South Australia, 200. Text that in to 04888-808-11. And your free copy of this book will be on its way. You can also use this number to text us your questions, your comments, your prayer requests at any time. I have a screen at the right of myself on the, on the right side. I can see your um, your texts. We would love to hear from you. And uh, we will get back to you um, even while we are live. So don't hesitate. Text us on that number at any time. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A right across Australia with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor David. He's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Adelaide. This week we're following the theme, How Reasonable is a Biblical Worldview? And the big question for today is, Can the Bible be trusted? What does archaeology say? So, uh, David, how does archaeology reaffirm the trustworthiness of the Bible? This is a really good question, um, Ricardo, because there are so many people that uh, look at some of the stories in the Bible. We've already mentioned the biblical flood, and they see that as a fable. Mm -hmm. Uh, They talk about uh, Jonah and the fish. You know, often we think it's a whale. The Bible talks a sea creature, a fish. And they think that that is is also a fable. Um, 
Daniel and the stories of Daniel are a fable. And interestingly, each of these three examples, mm-hmm. the flood um, and, and these other ones, Jesus refers to all of them. So Jesus either mm-hmm. was was not who he says he was. He couldn't be trusted because he's 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 living in what we would call the New Testament times. Yes. But his Bible was the Old Testament, and he's referring yes. to Jonah regularly. He's referring to Daniel, and he's referring to mm-hmm. the biblical flood. And so many people have have looked at the Bible will automatically or very quickly write it off, or with some research. And say it can't be trusted. It's it's a book mm. of nursery rhymes or, or something for deluded people, if right. you like. Like every time there's a supernatural thing happening, they uh, people uh, they try to deny, discredit that, that was, it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and so, um, one of the factors that helped influence um, people not believing in historic historicity of the Bible, the fact that it's it's a historical book and 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 what it contains was the fact that the Bible mentions so many different places and mm-hmm. kings and individuals mm-hmm. and and yet there was no record of them anywhere else in history. For a long time. For least. a long time. Okay. And so because of that the detractors would say, you know, you talk about mm-hmm. uh, a biblical David, King David. Mm-hmm. And David is one of, uh, it'd be in the top three or four names that are mentioned repeatedly throughout Scripture, uh, besides Jesus, and obviously you've got Moses and Abraham and, and some others. David is right up there, and yet mm. there was no record of David, and yet David is this centerpiece, if you like, yes. of, of what we would call biblical history. And so these are the knockers and the detractors. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence of him, therefore this is just folly, mm. it's lies, um, go away. Mm-hmm. And and this was largely the case uh, up until even most recent times, um, uh, because um, because there was no evidence of such things. Critics would just say, "Look, the Bible's unreliable because it's historically inaccurate," um, and because. Biblical people couldn't prove that cities or places or people existed that the Bible talked about. Mm-hmm. Then the skeptics would say, "Okay, um, the biblical records can't be true because mm. the history is not reliable, and because it's not reliable, the Bible full stop should be disconsidered, if you like." So the question is, why should we believe uh, what it says about anything if we can't mm-hmm. believe what it tells us about the people and the places, etc., that exist, mm-hmm. uh, that the Bible talks about? And so archaeology is a study of the past through excavation and examination of remains uh, found or buried beneath the surfaces of the earth. Right. And interestingly, Ricardo, up until about 150, 160 years ago, 170 years ago, um, there was no evidence for hardly any of these places. Mm. And it was, it was literally 150, 160, 170 years ago where biblical archaeology, going into biblical places, uh, what the Bible referred to as biblical places, actually began to uncover mm-hmm. the truths and the places and locations and biblical characters in mm-hmm. some instances of what the Bible claimed. Therefore... The spade, so to speak, the archaeologist's spade, their tools have helped give credibility to the Word of God because places that weren't known about elsewhere have now been proven archaeologically, which gives confirmation of what the Bible says. Amazing. So I guess that's a little bit convoluted what I said there, but... um, 
for instance, um, yeah, it was really the middle of the 19th century when biblical archaeology took off. And, um, uh, yeah, I guess one of the things I think that is interesting is that many of the people that were, were working in archaeology um, were what Christians would call liberal scholars. They didn't believe in the historicity of the Bible. One such one was, uh, was an archaeologist by the name of Sir William Ramsey. And uh, he was a uh, a graduate from the prestigious University of Oxford, and um, he was the son of an atheist, and um, son of an atheist, and he decided that he would go along to disprove scripture. And interestingly, for twenty five, he had written books for twenty five years. He had travelled around, and the more he discovered, the more he, the more he, the more he read. Um, and the more he archaeological uh, diggings and, and uh, journeys he went on expeditions, mm-hmm. he came to the conclusion one day in one of his books where he sh- shocked the entire intellectual world when he declared himself to be a Christian. So this is an atheist wow. and the son of an atheist, went through Oxford University, uh-huh. an incredible archaeologist. And as he, as he went through and uncovered uh, various things that confirmed the, the history of the Bible, if you like, mm. He became a believer of the Bible. Inevitably. Inevitably. A- uh-huh. And um, one of the things that, um, for him, that was of high importance, when he read the biblical writings of Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, and uh, I'm not sure, Ricardo, if you can uh, read from uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, which gives us a little bit of, uh, I guess, um, the opening, if you like, to the the book of uh, sorry yeah Luke Luke chapter one I did I say Acts or Luke Luke chapter one Luke. verses one to four Luke one one to four inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So what we find here is um, Luke has done his own research. Mm-hmm. And um, William Ramsey, um, in, in looking at Scripture and then doing archaeology, um, was so impressed with the research of Luke and then what was uncovered that he he began to believe and became a Christian. Now, this is no small matter. He was eventually knighted. He was honoured with doctorates from nine universities mm. and has contributed to modern scholarship in the works of archaeology. And, and you know, in, in the book of Luke... Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, in Luke names in, in the book of Acts, I guess, 32 different countries in, in the Gospel of Luke and Acts. 32 different countries, 54 cities and nine islands without error. Mm-hmm. This is what other scholars have said. And um, one such scholar, A.N. Sherwin White, states, For Acts, the confirmation of historicity is overwhelming. Any attempt to reject its basic historicity must now appear absurd. Roman historians have long taken it for granted. And, and he goes through in his book, um, uh, for instance, naming various places 
um, and how archaeology, uh, in various places in Scripture, and how archaeology has confirmed that. And maybe later on, if we have time to to look for that, um, mm-hmm. look through some of those. For instance, Caiaphas, um, he was the notorious high priest who presided over the trial of Jesus in John mm-hmm. eighteen twenty four to 28. Now, um, archaeologists have found the actual ossuary. Now, an ossuary is like the, the coffin, if you like, a stone coffin. Um, uh, archaeologists have found Caiaphas's actual ossuary, or his coffin, if you like. Mm-hmm. It was exquisitely ornate and decorated, and um, uh, they have just determined that that was Caiaphas's ossuary. So he was a biblical character. Archaeology yes. has proved it. Again, history has recorded uh, that for 10 years, Pontius Pilate was the Roman prefect in charge of Judea. And in 1961, a stone plaque was discovered in an excavation and it had the Latin inscription, Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judea. Wow. So again, these findings... Mm. Not necessarily by Christians, as we've said, this William Ramsey, he was an, he was an atheist mm. and the son of an atheist. They're not going there with an agenda to confirm scripture. No. But what they uncover has proven to be pivotal in, in actually confirming what Christians, Bible believing Christians already know to be true. That's amazing. I imagine, uh, I mean, one thing is to hear about these archaeological discoveries, but I'm trying to imagine how it must have felt uh, to to be the one actually discovering these things and <laughs> seeing that for the first time and and actually realizing that the Bible is correct, it's right. So what it does, it gives us more confidence, Yes, more and more confidence that we can, or for people that don't believe, mm. but even for the believer, it's a confirmation. It is. So archaeology uh, discoveries, archaeological discoveries, add uh, credibility yes. to the Bible. But we don't rely specifically on archaeological discoveries in order to believe in the Bible. They ju- that, that just adds The Bible stands on its own. It's the Word yes. of God. But it's wonderful yeah. when these discoveries are made uh, because yes. it, again, gives confirmation. Let me give you another exactly. story, um, Ricardo, of, of what I've come across. And um, this was a couple of years ago. Um, uh, and this refers to Sodom. Right. And uh, a prestigious, um, uh, I, I guess, peer-reviewed paper was presented in the Nature Scientific Reports, mm-hmm. and it described the cataclysmic destruction of a Middle Bronze Age city north of the Dead Sea and represented years of research and technical analysis by 21 scientists who likely never expected to author a paper in one of the world's most prestigious scientific journals that mentioned the destruction of the biblical city of Sodom. But Mm. in the end, the parallels provided impossible to ignore. So Mm. I'm going to read some quotes here. Mm -hmm. So this is, um, I think it's 2021 in Nature Scientific Reports, a peer-reviewed paper, 21 scientists... And they are, they discovered the, or confirmation of what the Bible termed an ancient city called Sodom. Mm-hmm. That many people, many scoffers said it doesn't exist. Right. So this is a couple of years ago, this, this article appeared. And it says here, uh, Dr. Stephen Collins, he was a, a lead person in this, knew if the place existed, the biblical place of Sodom, um, this site today called Tel El Haman must be it. In 2006, he began excavating when he and his team got down to about 1615 BC. Mm -hmm. 
When Sodom was believed to destroy, they uncovered a five-foot layer of soot randomly scattered throughout the vast destruction matrix where Mm. bits of melted brick burned, fragments of human bones and other baffling detritus. No volcanic eruption or fire or earthquake could have produced this. So here they are. They're there in, 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 they went to the biblical area that Mm. Sodom seemed to, the Bible seemed to indicate it might be. They began excavations in a tell. Now, a tell is is like a mound or a hill, depending on, on how big a city or a place was. And, you know, uh, what would typically happen in many biblical times is uh, essentially uh, a civilization would exist, a city would exist, there'd be a war, uh, the city would be destroyed, mm-hmm. and then people would often take some of those uh, building blocks and build a new city. On top. And then over time, more and more rubble would occur. And so eventually, as you excavate, you go down different layers of, of age periods. Mm-hmm. When they get to a level of volcanic um, ash five foot deep, hmm. that shows that something significant happened. Mm-hmm. It then goes on. The day they found it, Collins discovered a shard of a jar, a piece of a jar, a seasoned ceramic typologist. He tagged it instantly as from about 1700 BC. Now, this fits in with the biblical yes, account. Yes. But one side of this shard had a strange glassy green glaze. The technology to intentionally produce anything like that would not exist for another 24 centuries. What could it Mm. be? A lab in New Mexico concluded the pottery had been melted by super intense heat, lasting a very short period of time. What would do that? Another perplexing fact, though, was that the site was inhabited for millennia before this cataclysmic event, but not immediately afterward. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was a gap after this cataclysmic event of 700 years before humans again settled there. Now, that was not the norm when something happened. Mm. Why would a site offering unmatched natural resources and military advantages be shunned for so long? It was unprecedented. Mm. And then he goes on. The article goes on. It says, um, Dr. Collins came to believe, and what the recent Nature article corroborated in extraordinary detail, is that what happened was a cosmic airburst impact event, very similar to what happened in Tung's Tung Uska, Siberia, 1908. That's when an asteroid, this is in Siberia, mm-hmm. of about 180 feet in diameter entered the Earth's atmos- atmosphere at 34,000 miles per hour and exploded a few miles above that largely uninhabited region, Siberia. The equivalent mm-hmm. of a 1,000 Hiroshima bombs. The 1908 blast of this, this um, uh, meteor flattened 80 million trees, this is in 1908, and so disturbed the upper atmosphere that for three Mm. days people in London would read newspapers at midnight because of the light. And this is what the newspaper said. Now, what they're saying is that um, the destruction it wrought is hard to fathom. The most powerful hurricanes produce winds approaching 200 miles per hour. But this explosion, the biblical one, Mm -hmm. may have generated winds of 700 miles per hour, walls 15 foot thick, were utterly obliterated. The heat was such that nearly all of the thousands of inhabitants were vaporized. In fact, nature tells us that the temperature at the center of the Tung Uska explosion in Siberia was 18,000 degrees Fahrenheit. The Tel El Haman explosion, this is the one where they, they believe Sodom is, mm-hmm. was, um, was perhaps even hotter. 
Whatever charred bone fragments survived, along with melted pottery, plaster and roofing tiles, mm. indicate that for 25 seconds the temperature was roughly 3,500 degrees, wow. hot enough to melt stainless steel and titanium. That, that, that fits in very well with the biblical record. It does. And, and mm. what they say is that, um, when they sent this to, um, it reminds them of, um, atomic bomb espl- explosions in the New Mexico desert in 1945, mm. where, um, there was a similar glaze. So here is a journal only a couple of years ago with more than 21 scientists working on something that actually say this is the biblical Sodom. And maybe Mm -hmm. when we come back from a break, uh, Ricardo, you could read some of those verses from the Mm -hmm. biblical story of the destruction of Sodom. Very interesting indeed. Okay, time to go for a break. Let's hear a song by Norton Hall Band, Saviour, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us.
Blessed Jesus, indeed. Um, our giveaway for this week is the book How to Study Your Bible by Peter Gregory. How to Study Your Bible. It's one thing to believe the Bible and accept that it is a message from God. That's all good. But it's quite a different one uh, to know how to read it, to know how to study it, and to know how to discover the message that God has for you within the Bible. What good is it to have a Bible if we don't read it? So, um, unfortunately, that is the experience of many people today. They, they have a Bible, but they don't read it. Or they don't know how to understand what God is trying to say every day in the pages of the Bible. So, uh, Peter Gregory, a premier sought-after Bible teacher and evangelist, provides you with the tools you need to understand God's Word. He offers step-by-step insights that will deeply enrich any Bible study experience and revive the Christian walk. Um, questions like how does one prepare um, his or her heart for a Bible study or when is the best time to sit down with your Bible? What are the best methods and tools for getting the most out of your Bible study? This book, How to Study Your Bible, tackles these challenges and many more enabling and encouraging biblical students to dig more deeply into God's Word than you ever thought possible. Please don't wait. Um, just text us the code SA200, SA for South Australia, 200, no spaces in between, SA200, to the number 04888-808-11. And we'll send you a free copy of this book. I'll repeat, the code is SA200. Text that in to 04888-808-11. And remember, you can also send us your questions and comments. We would love to um, hear your feedback during the show, and we would be delighted to get back to you. Also remember, starting this Friday, this week, this Friday, the 2nd of um, February, um, I'm going to be presenting 24 Bible studies called Secrets of Prophecy uh, at 6 p.m. The venue is the um, Prospect International Seventh-day Adventist Church Hall. The address is 7 Ballville Street, Prospect. There is parking available. Every Friday I will be presenting a different Bible study during 24 Fridays. So please come along. We will have um, giveaways for you as well. Bring family, friends, visitors. We would love to see you there. Every Friday at 6 p.m., 7 Volville Street, Prospect. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back, dear listeners. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. This is Pastor Ricardo, your host for today. And joining me in the studio, I have Pastor David. David is the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Adelaide. This week, as I mentioned before, we are exploring the theme, how reasonable is it to have a biblical worldview? And the big question we've been dealing with today is, can the Bible be trusted? What does archaeology say about this? David, do you have something else to share about Sodom? Yeah, I do. So just finishing this this uh, journal article that mm-hmm. was uh, in the journal Nature Scientific Reports in 2021, um, and this was uh, looking, as we've been saying before the ad break and before the music, about 
was the biblical story of Sodom and the destruction of, did Sodom exist? And mm. is the biblical account accurate? Just to sum up, the Nature article, uh, these uh, 21 scientists, etc., 22 scientists were working on, the Nature article concludes, and I'm reading explicitly, that what happened in 1700 BC bears inescapable parallels to what the Bible says about Sodom. And indeed, they are startling. Number one, stones fell from the sky. Number two, fire came down from the sky. This is what the scientists were saying. Mm -hmm. Three, thick smoke rose from the fires. Four, a major city was devastated. Five, city inhabitants were killed. Six, area crops were destroyed. It even says that what happened may have generated an oral tradition that became the source of the written story of the biblical Sodom in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, that a prestigious journal of science would admit these things should at least make skeptics sit up and yes. take notice. Yes. And yes, just yes. briefly, um, Ricardo, what does the Bible say about the destruction of Sodom? In Genesis 19, verses 23 and 24, we read, The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Soar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So it's, 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 it's basically almost a parallel. Yes. And, and this was a devastating, destroyed everything. Mm -hmm. And this is what this Nature Journal article says. And just another one, Ricardo, and we can't touch on everything. There's the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's a Moabite stone. There are, there are, um, the Rosetta Stone. There are mm. so many things. You can go searching on the internet mm. that uh, give evidence and help confirm what the Bible teaches. Um, King David, he's mentioned over 1,100 times in Scripture, and they have found something that actually refers to a stone refers to the house of David. King Nebuchadnezzar, mm. that incredible um, tyrant, if you like, that was mm -hmm. converted and gave his heart to God, Daniel chapter 4. Mm -hmm. But the story of Daniel up until then, Daniel 1 to 4, uh, is this picture of a king uh, who, who built this incredible city. Well, guess what? Archaeologists have found uh, that to be the fact. And we know in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar boasts, look at this great Babylon, mm. this great city that, that I, I have, have built, built for my splendor. Well, guess what? <laughs> in their archaeological discoveries, about 100 kilometers south of Baghdad is the ancient ruins of what was Babylon, mm. an incredible city. And in that city, they have found stone after stone, clay, clay, clay stones and tablets and bricks with Nebuchadnezzar's um, name uh, impressed upon them. <laughs> there has even been um, uh, clay tablets found that uh, where Nebuchadnezzar boasts about his building feats. As well. As well. So again, it confirms mm -hmm. the scripture. Maybe one last one in the brief time we have left. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible talks about a king called Hezekiah. Mm -hmm. And um, Hezekiah, um, he he ruled. He was a godly king, and um, what he did in Jerusalem, uh, he decided that um, uh, Jerusalem was susceptible to being besieged and being attacked. And if they were, they needed water. Mm -hmm. And so there was a spring outside of Jerusalem called the Gihon Spring. And what um, what Hezekiah did, uh, there was already a vertical shaft, but there was a tunnel that he built called Hezekiah's Tunnel mm. that was discovered in the 1800s. 
And um, this corroborates, it diverted water from the spring into Jerusalem itself, to the Pool of Siloam. And um, the Bible says, and when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. A great many people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Mm. This is Second Chronicles 32. Verses 2 to 4 And and it goes on mm-hmm. Where it talks about Hezekiah Diverting the springs Now this has become known as Hezekiah's tunnel It's been found Further uh, A young boy in 1880 Discovered an inscription on the wall That translated is read as this The tunneling was completed While the hewers wielded the axe Each man toward his fellow There was heard a man's voice calling to his fellow The hewers hacked each hacked each toward the other, axe against axe. The water flowed through the spring to the pool, a distance of 1,200 cubits. Essentially what this is telling is when they built this tunnel known as Hezekiah's Tunnel from a spring outside the city to divert water into the city, they had tunnelers working from two ends and they met up together. Mm-hmm. And, and this is recorded in, in the scriptures. So... For me, Ricardo, um, there are so many evidences from archaeology that help confirm Mm. and give reliability, not that we need it, but add reliability Mm. to people, places, and events in Scripture. That's amazing. And those archaeological discoveries have been, uh, have happened just uh, reasonably. Last 150 years. Recently. So it's, it's good to live by faith as well. Absolutely. God has been gracious enough to uh, give us uh, those archaeological discoveries to strengthen our faith even more. So I want to challenge listeners, if, if you have doubts, if you have objections, go look up and go study biblical archaeology. Thank you so much, Pastor David. It looks like our time's up for today. Let's have a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you because you've been so good to us as to allow us to have extra, additional information through these archaeological discoveries, to um, strengthen our belief in your word. We um, believe whatever you say, Lord, but thank you for this additional information. Thank you, Father, for um, everything that you do for us. We believe that, as the Bible says, you will come soon to pick us up, and we look forward to that day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This was Pastor Ricardo and Pastor David. Please join us tomorrow for another Drive Time Big Q&A show. We will explore what Jesus and the apostles said to confirm that the Bible can indeed be trusted. Until then, remember the Bible says, The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Psalm 18.30 May God bless you richly. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.